You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. As we've uh, just heading into another season, um, and really praying, God, what, what do you want to share to the church? Uh, I feel it's important that we, we go on a journey and that we continue to listen to his voice and follow his leading in whatever, in whatever direction that is. And uh, as I've been praying this week, especially, God, what are you saying to us? What, where do we need to grow? Um, I've been led to this passage of 2 Peter chapter 1. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be going through this passage of Scripture, um, kind of line by line. And I, I pray that through it, we would really grow in the things that God would have for us. And so it's not necessarily a theme, but it is a passage of Scripture that I pray through the end of it, we'll have so embedded in our heart, we just know what God is saying to us through this. Is that right? So we're going to move to a little bit more of an expository kind of look at a a, a scripture. So it's 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in In increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a great passage. A lot of stuff there. I, I love the, the fact that if we do these things, you will never fall. There's a sense here that God says, I, I, you need to learn this stuff. There's some things here that you need to add to your Christian walk to make sure that you're growing in them. It says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, That isn't kind of just have a little bit of brotherly kindness, have a little bit of knowledge, but actually we need to be growing in these things. Okay. Again, this whole understanding of discipleship, becoming more like Christ is not something that's a one-off experience, but actually it's something we need to continue to be growing, continue to be learning, continuing to become all that God has called us to be. And so this passage of scripture that, uh, that Peter is writing in particular is written to, uh, the, an early church that, um, He's coming under some false teaching. And so Peter's kind of laying again the foundation of this is what you guys need to be focused on. This is what it's all about. And to start with in this passage, we have verse three. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. And so today we're going to lay the foundation that the next coming weeks we're going to build off of. Okay, so in in essence, we're going to just kind of get our our minds around what is Peter really on about here? 
And hopefully, it, it lays a foundation that as we start to look at these different qualities we need to be growing in, we understand the premise that we're coming to or coming from. And so he calls us, it says, he, um, through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. So to start with, God calls us out by his glory and goodness. Two things. He calls us out by his glory and his goodness. His glory speaks of who he is. When we see the Lord as he really is, we're drawn to him. And I think for, for most of us in this room, I hope all of us in this room, there's a sense of when we encounter something of the Spirit of God, when we come into even in a place like a worship this morning, there's something that draws us to God. Because we were created for this relationship. We were created to know him. But he, who he is draws us to him. His very presence draws us to him. Why? Because he's awesome. He's almighty. He's kind. He's compassionate. He is all that we're looking for. He's everything. We sang that this morning. He is love. He's life. And so who he is, his glory, his presence draws us to him. But also his goodness draws us to him. And his goodness speaks about what he's done for us. The price he's paid that actually it's not just we have this awesome God that stands over here and we think, well, but we're unworthy. Although we love to have a relationship, we can't somehow obtain it. Christ came and he paid this price to, to, to uh, cover that chasm that was between us and God. And so his great love for us draws us to us, draws us to him because of his unfailing love, because of his forgiveness, because of his grace, his faithfulness. And so we're drawn to him because of who he is, but we're drawn to him because of all that he's done for us. And again, the, the more you've walked with Jesus, the, the more you realize you're drawn to him because of these equalities. Every time we worship, we're drawn to him because think, God, you are so much bigger. God, you're so awesome. But then we're also drawn to him because we, we keep receiving his forgiveness. We keep receiving his grace and it just woos us closer to the father. How many of you have experienced this in your own lives? There's this, this tug that keeps coming in our hearts of wooiness to him because of who he is and what he's done. And he calls us out because of this. He loved us first. And so this whole passage is starting from this position of what Christ has done first, who God is first, and our response to it. But then it, it goes from, he's called us out. But in, then it says this, his divine nature, his divine power has given us everything we need to live, uh, we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, right, who called us out. We have everything we need. When we come to Christ and he, he brings us into this relationship, he, he doesn't just then leave it on our own onus to try to somehow work out our salvation, to try to somehow figure it out, to somehow work hard to, 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 to make, to make it work. But it says we have everything we need for life. Now Jesus says in John 10, 10, a very famous or, or well-known passage, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's come that we would have life. Jesus is the author of life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. When Jesus is present, dead things come to life. Right? When Jesus is present in our lives, dead things in us come to life because Jesus cannot be present and death remain. 
And that's why there's new life. When we give our lives to Jesus, new life springs in us because something comes alive. His spirit comes and brings life to us. There's no such thing as a dead Christian. Right? There are people that are maybe caught in, in religion. But when Jesus and his spirit comes in our hearts, something comes to life. And so he is the resurrection and the life. And the life he gives is a new life. It's not based upon what we are or what we've done or how good we can, we can be. But it's all based upon Christ and what his spirit is doing in us. And so when, when he says, I've given you divine power, I've given you life. It's not something that you can fabricate. It's not a course that you can take. You can't come to a course that's going to give you life. It's only Jesus that can give you life. It's only coming to him that can breathe that life in us. We receive a spiritual life. And many of you could testify that once you were dead inside, but something came to life when you turned your life over to Jesus. It gives a reason to live. And there starts to be an outward effect of this in our daily life. There's something of love and joy and peace and, and the other fruits of the Spirit start to show up in our lives because life is, is, is coming out of us. In knowing Christ, we have everything we need for this new life to be worked out in us. He's given us everything we need. But not only for life, but also, it says, for godliness. What is godliness? Is godlikeness. Godly characteristics exhibited in our lives. By knowing Christ, He gives us everything we need to be godly. You can't try to be godly. Right? It's not something that we can possess. Why? Because our heart and our mind conjures up things that would be otherwise. But his godliness, again, comes from him. By knowing Christ, he gives us everything we need to be godly. He, one, cleanses away all our sins. When we give our lives to Jesus, at that point of surrender to him, all of our sins are washed away. All. Past, present, and future sins are washed away in Jesus. That's an amazing truth. You can't be good enough. You can't be great enough to be godly. Godliness comes through the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. He's given everything we need to be godly. His holiness comes not because we try to be worthy, we try to be holy. His holiness comes because we're in Christ. And Christ shines through and, and He's the one who cleanses us and purifies us from all unrighteousness. He gives me the power also to change, to become more like him. That we take on his image. And this again is not something that's out of our works, out of something that we're trying to do. But when Christ is and his spirit dwells in us, something changes. And I, I think often uh, Christians can get really caught up in trying not to sin. Do you know, try not to sin. Sorry. I just get this double negative right. It's not about not sinning. It's about following Jesus. And I think as Christians, we get caught up often in trying to be godly, trying to, trying to be good enough. And actually, God says, I've given you everything you need to be that. You just follow me. And my spirit in you will produce godliness. 
Right? We see this passage in Galatians. When we give way to the Spirit, we, we, we say no to the sinful nature and its desires. All we have to do is follow Jesus. All we have to do is be in Him. And everything comes to life. And godliness starts to be the fruit that's produced in us. Not because we're working so hard to be a good Christian, but because we're just following Jesus. He's I've given you everything you need. Just follow me. Just follow my steps. Just walk with me in the journey. And I'll give you what you need to be godly. Jesus says, be holy. Jesus calls us to be perfect like he's perfect. Well, that's impossible without Jesus doing it for us. We can't be holy because he's holy. We can only be holy in Christ Jesus. And again, his holiness that he offers us is something that we don't work for, but we receive by grace. We receive as we put our faith into him and he comes and he cleanses us. He removes all unrighteousness and we stand in this state of perfection before the Father and we start to live out this life just following Jesus and suddenly godliness starts to show up in our lives because we are like Jesus. If I'm following Jesus and I'm imitating him, I start to be kind. I start to show what Jesus would look like in the situations I face in life because his presence is in me and I'm giving way to it. We have everything we need. God says, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. You don't need to go anywhere else to find it. There's no book that will give it to you. Life only comes from Jesus Christ. Godliness only comes through Jesus Christ. These two things are works that God has done for us. He's drawn us to himself. He's drawn us to himself. He's given us everything that we need to live this life out. But then it says, it, the whole verse starts, His divine power has given us this. When we come to Christ and surrender our lives to Him, we receive His divine power. Isn't that amazing? We're like a lamp that gets plugged into a socket and something comes alive in us. It comes alive in us. We have this divine power. In Romans 8, 11, it says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. So the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. And if it could raise Christ from the dead, it will give life to this mortal body by His divine power. This divine power enables us to live out the Christian walk as we've been talking about. It's a wonderful picture of God's grace. His power is given to us, not out of something that we earn. You can't earn his power, but it's given. Since his power has been given us, has given us. It doesn't say his power has been earned. Do you know what? We just tap into the power source. We, we plug in. When we give our lives to Jesus, we tap into a source that's unstoppable, that's unquenchable, that gives us everything that we need to live out our life, to produce life in us, that it springs us to life. And we start to live out our Christian walk as that God called us to live. You know, this is what Jesus has done for us. But then it goes on. And so if you can kind of trick, follow the train of thought, he calls us. He's given us everything we need. He's, he's given us by his power, the source of life. But then it also, the passage then goes on to talk about, it says through these, verse four, through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, escaping 
escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God has given us his very great and precious promises. I want you to say those words, great and precious. But they're not just great and precious. They're very great and precious. They're very great and precious promises. What he's given us are his promises. No, what's a promise? A promise is speaking about what is to come, isn't it? You don't promise something that's the past. I promise you I washed. No, you promise something that is to come. And so what are the promises of God? What does this speak about to us when we start looking at it in this context? He speaks with the promises of salvation. Again, this understanding of, of when we die, when we meet our maker. Actually, our salvation is here on earth, but it's also yet to be received. Our salvation fully kicks in when we stand before God. And we give an account for our lives. And we have Jesus as our advocate saying, but I paid for his sin. I paid for all the things he'd done wrong. He's with me. That's when salvation will truly take full effect. We live in the effect of it now, though. It's, it's, the, it's the not quite yet aspect of salvation, but also it's the here and now. We experience his love. We experience his presence, which is the understanding we have received salvation. But salvation is also promises what's to come. Forgiveness, again, is a promise that we, he forgives our sins now and our sins of the past. But it's also the promise of our sins of tomorrow will also be forgiven. When Christ died upon the cross, he didn't just think of up to 2015, September, what is today's date? 20th. Thank you. I'm struggling with my dates today. Um, the 20, he wasn't just thinking of the 20th of September, all the sins are forgiven, but up to, up to that point only. When Jesus died upon the cross for our sins, he died upon the cross for all of our sins. And that's a promise for the future. And so when I live out tomorrow, I can have a confidence when I get out of bed that I'm in a state of forgiveness. Because Jesus paid for anything I would have done wrong. He's paid for that already. And it takes the pressure off me. I can live in a place of freedom because, do you know what? Even if I fail, thank you, Jesus, you paid for that. And again, we don't take it lightly. We don't take it flippantly. We don't say, well, I just can keep on sinning because grace is there. No, no, no. Paul addresses this also in his writing. But we can understand that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It means tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, I am in a place of being forgiven. That's a promise. And I can look at my future with, with excitement because I, I don't have to have this cloak of, oh, you know, I, if I can just somehow obtain this. We can have our, our eyes lifted up to heaven and say, you know what, thank you God for what you're going to do in my life this week because I am forgiven. I am worthy in your sight because of what Jesus done. We also have this understanding of his promises of healing and restoration. Maybe today you need healing in your body. Do you know what? Healing is a promise. And again, if we've not received the healing yet, we, we can claim onto the promises. We have a promise of protection and provision and wholeness. All of these things that we can look to him and his promises are in scripture. And as we choose to stand on his promises and live in them, this is what we see. We participate in the divine nature. So as we choose to live in the promises of God, we participate in the divine nature, the characteristics of God in us, his power manifested in our lives. Does this make sense? So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. God wants us to participate with him in what he wants to do. 
in His divine nature, in who He is, in what He's doing. We escape the corruption of the world and our evil desires as we follow the ways of the Spirit. So God is calling us by who He is, by what He's done. He's given us everything we need to live out life, to, live, to, to have life, and to, to walk in godliness by His divine nature. And He's given us a very great and very precious promises of what is to come so that we can live in them today and not give way to sin. We can live in it today and, and find the divine, find His presence, find His goodness, find all that He is in our today as we live in the promises of tomorrow. Does that make sense? Christ has done it all for us. And our response to it is to live by it. And this then brings us to verse 5. For this reason. For what reason? For this reason. Well, what is this reason? The reason is what we just read. Right? For this reason. For this reason that, that God has called us. He's equipped us. He's given us His divine power. He's given us everything we need to live out this Christian walk. He's given us promises for the future. He's given us a hope. He's given us a future. He's laid it all out. He's done it all. For this reason. We have the next bit. For this very reason. Make every effort to add to your faith. Now, faith is what all of that passage before is referring to. By faith, we received all of that. It had nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with just us choosing to put our faith in Jesus. We stand in that position of that's all ours. By faith. Bam! It's ours. I didn't work for it. I didn't, I didn't strive for it. By faith, I receive everything I need. For this reason, we need to add to our faith those some ingredients. By faith, all of those things are ours. But to our faith, we add goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control and to self-control, perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. And it goes on to talk about we need to possess these qualities in ever increasing ways. And here's the whole understanding. And this is what we're going to get into in the coming weeks is that it would keep us from becoming ineffective and unproductive. Right. In verse eight, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we can have it all and be unproductive and unfruitful in our lives because we're not living it out. Jesus has it all. He's given it all. He's given us a life. He's given us hope. He's given us his forgiveness. He's given it all. But we can have it all and do nothing with it. And this is what the whole passage is talking about. I've given it all to you. But now you need to do some things with it. Otherwise, you, you find yourself being unproductive. You, you find yourself actually just bumping along in your Christian walk. And although God has done everything for you, we have a part to play. We want to be effective as believers in being who Jesus calls us to be. In verse 10 again, it says, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. You see, we fall not because of what God has not done for us. We fall because we don't apply the things he has done for us. You see, he's given us everything we need to do it. And 
failure, I guess, if you can put it that way, on our part isn't because of God not doing enough or not coming through as he should. But it's because we are choosing not to live some of the things out that we ought to. And because of it, we become unproductive, we become ineffective, and we end up falling. We just we kind of go from failure to failure instead of walking in the place of victory, being more than overcomers that Jesus has called us to be because he's done it all. But we need to live it. And again, this is what we're going to look at in the coming weeks. Are you excited to be challenged? God wants to add to your faith more than just faith. He wants to put something in you that you, you become a machine for the Jesus. You know, you become uh, the person he calls you to be, living out your Christian walk in, in power and authority and in might. This is a season to get stuck in and grow. Amen? We're going to close in prayer. I, I pray that in some way today, this would have inspired you. Maybe you're struggling today with where you're at. And you're thinking... I, I, but I, I, I'm just kind of, I feel like I'm just floundering. Do you know what? Can you just take comfort in knowing that Jesus has given you everything you need? And our greatest prayer that we can pray today is say, God, I need you. I come to you. If you're feeling today that you're unworthy, if you're feeling today that you don't quite measure up, do you know what? He's giving you everything for life and godliness. In his sight, if you put your faith in him, you are made whole. You are righteous. You are holy because of all that Jesus has done for you. This is a truth and a promise that we need to hold on to, that we need to stand upon. And in that place of understanding it and living it, we live in a place of victory instead of defeat. Why don't we stand, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people, in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.